Good day, and welcome to the Car Guru's fourth quarter and full year 2022 earnings conference call. Please note, this event is being recorded. I would now like to turn the conference over to Kurndeep Singh, Vice President and Head of Investor Relations. Please go ahead. Thank you, Operator. Good afternoon. I'm delighted to welcome you to CarGuru's fourth quarter and full year 2022 earnings call. We will be discussing the results announced in our press release issued today after the market closed and posted on our investor relations website. With me on the call today are Jason Trevison, Chief Executive Officer, and Sam Zales, President and Chief Operating Officer. During the call, we will make statements regarding our business that may be considered forward-looking with inapplicable securities laws including statements concerning our outlook for the first quarter of 2023, management's expectation for our future financial and operational performance, our business and growth strategies, our expectations for our car offer business and acquisition synergies, the value proposition of our current product offerings and other product opportunities, the impact of the semiconductor chip shortage and other macro-level industry issues, and other statements regarding our plans, prospects, and expectations. These statements are not promises or guarantees and are subject to risks and uncertainties, which could cause them to differ materially from actual results. Information concerning those risks and uncertainties is available in our earnings press release distributed after market close today and in our most recent reports on Forms 10-K and 10-Q, which along with our other SEC filings can be found on the SEC's website and in the Investor Relations section of our website. We undertake no obligation to update or revise forward-looking statements except as required by law. Further, during the course of our call today, we will refer to certain non-GAAP financial measures. A reconciliation of GAAP to comparable non-GAAP measures is included in our press release issued today, as well as in our updated investor presentation, which can also be found on the Investor Relations section of our website. With that, I'll now turn it over to Jason. Thank you, Kerndeep, and thanks to everyone joining us today. As I shared at the beginning of the year, following a transformative 2021, 2022 was a year of activation across our platform. With the theme of activation guiding our 2022 roadmap, we were able to bring more dealers on the foundational listings business, launch and grow the dealer base utilizing digital deal, and expand into new geographies with instant max cash offer. While we're extremely proud of these activations, Dynamic changes in automotive market conditions caused us to experience challenges in the second half of the year that required us to recalibrate our goals and address car offers operational difficulties. Though we're pleased with the results of our efforts in tackling these challenges and are seeing some encouraging early signs of improvement, we still have work to do to ensure that our operations and products are built with scale and profitability in mind. Despite these short-term difficulties, we're well down the path of delivering on the vision of being the number one digital destination for both consumer and dealer customers to confidently buy and sell their vehicles with the best selection, price, convenience, and trust. Our vision has remained steadfast despite an evolving and volatile automotive market landscape. Throughout the past year, the automotive market still encountered challenges arising from the semiconductor chip shortage. However, in 2022, a reversal of two key factors brought us to an inflection point. New inventory increased, albeit below pre-pandemic levels, and interest rates rose quickly, driving automotive lending rates to levels not seen since 2010, which curbed consumer demand and drove up days on lots. The concurrent impact of these factors contributed to a decline in used retail and wholesale car prices, 
as well as a reduction in wholesale activity. Though it is encouraging to see prices trend down outside of typical seasonality, it creates a transitory environment that makes buying and selling difficult for both consumers and dealers alike. While we continue to monitor the impact of these factors closely and remain agile in this transient environment, we're still marching towards fulfilling our vision of creating the only platform where dealers can source, market, and sell, and consumers can shop, finance, buy, and sell. We remain excited about the long-term trajectory of our end-to-end transaction-enabled platform, while remaining thoughtful in balancing innovation, growth, and profitability. As we continue to balance internal and external factors, I'm pleased to share that we met and or exceeded our forecasted guidance for the quarter. Although 2022 was filled with unpredictability, there's one thing that has remained constant and predictable, our foundational listings business, which marked another year of record marketplace revenue and gross profit. To combat several challenging years in the automotive landscape, our strategy was to focus on reducing dealer attrition and growing dealer adoption. As a result of these efforts, in the U.S., we ended the year with 24,567 paying dealers, up 707 compared to the prior year. In 2022, we saw steady dealer ads, except in the fourth quarter from expected seasonality resulting from dealer year-end budget adjustments and the commencement of our annual business reviews. Fourth quarter cancellations were driven by concerns of rising interest rates, softening consumer demand, and continued uncertainty toward acquiring inventory with declining prices. However, at the same time, some dealers were supercharging their advertising to increase turn rates and continue to drive shoppers to the dealerships in times where consumer interest is waning. As for our annual business reviews, after several years of pausing broad-based renewals, we have taken strides to update our renewal process by simplifying our packaging and increasing the value our dealers receive by adding features to our listing tiers. These steps have resulted in dealers moving up our listings ladder and greater monthly recurring revenue, or MRR. As we grow MRR through renewals, there will be a trade-off between dealer ads and revenue growth, but we remain confident in the ROI we provide and our ability to grow paying dealers and quarterly average revenue per subscribing dealer, or CARSID, over the long term. U.S. CARSID grew approximately $209 year-over-year to $5,842. Fourth quarter performance was driven by signing on new dealers with higher average monthly recurring revenue, unit price increases, and revenue expansion through listing upgrades and product adoption. In fact, multi-product attach rate for three or more products increased by 90% this year as dealers look to find additional ways to attract high-intent, ready-to-purchase shoppers to their inventory. As we continue to innovate our product offerings and target high-intent, ready-to-transact shoppers, we're able to provide an exceptional ROI for our paying dealers. We're pleased with the growth of our highly profitable listings business. It is through continued product innovation and partnering with our customers that we're able to drive sustained growth and value that sets us apart from the competition. A key component to to the success of our listings business is continued innovation with new product offerings and capabilities. Digital retail capabilities continue to remain a competitive focus for dealers as market share for online transactions continues to grow. While only a small percentage of transactions are now being done fully online, over 70% of buyers say they prefer to do more from the convenience of their home for their next purchase. 
as consumers look for added flexibility to complete more elements of their vehicle shopping journey online, and dealers operate with smaller sales forces compared to pre-pandemic levels, we are enhancing our toolkit to arm dealers with the capabilities to meet evolving consumer needs while focusing on higher quality leads. In May of 2022, we launched Digital Deal, an offering which allows consumers to build a near penny-perfect deal with either dealer or vehicle-specific finance and insurance products, and then place a deposit on their vehicle of choice with a seamless online-to-in-store experience. As of the fourth quarter, there are now 1,588 dealers utilizing this newly deployed capability to better serve their customers. With more digitally-enabled listings available than any other online retailer, we're providing consumers with a convenient, self-selective purchasing journey, all while providing trust, transparency, and the best pricing from the largest selection of inventory among major online automotive marketplaces in the U.S. Digital Deal continues to deliver growth opportunities for our foundational listings business by enabling dealers to reach even more high-intent shoppers utilizing cargurus.com. Our marketplace, coupled with Digital Deal, front loads the majority of consumer buying research and selection effort through our online experience, allowing them to schedule their appointment through Cargurus to complete the remaining steps in store. The less work the dealer has to do to move inventory, the higher their ROI. And with consumers doing the legwork directly through Cargurus, dealers are able to better understand the attribution of a lead. In fact, an analysis based on latest IHS data reveals that digital deal leads are over two times more likely to close than regular Cargurus email leads, and leads including pre-qualification are three times as likely to close. Our high-value leads are a testament to our ability to attract highly engaged consumers lower in the funnel who are ready to purchase, saving dealers time and money, allowing them to move on to their next sale faster. The seamless user experience has resulted in remarkably high net promoter scores for both consumers and dealers. And so, as of the beginning of this year, we have increased the price of our digital deal offering to better align with the value we are providing our dealer partners. Our digital retail capabilities increase optionality and convenience for both dealers and consumers by providing consumers flexibility to complete a sale or purchase in a manner that best works for them and offering dealers more choice to tailor their product suite that best serves their individual business needs. The future of digital retail will level the playing field for our dealer partners who are unable to provide these solutions to consumers on their own and or wish to utilize our largest consumer audience to sell additional inventory through the Cargurus platform to drive greater profitability. While we've seen success with the marketplace and digital retail businesses, our digital wholesale business was more greatly impacted by difficulties in the second half of 2022. As we mentioned on our last earnings call, CarOffer encountered operational challenges that were optimized for a rising wholesale market that were insufficient in a declining price environment negatively contributing to an already tough macro dynamic of declining wholesale prices and lower conversion rates. These challenges were identified in October, and we worked quickly to optimize reporting, systems, and processes to counteract this decline. While we're confident that our fast action, short-term remediation efforts have addressed immediate concerns, we remain vigilant in monitoring the business continuously to ensure the newly defined processes and policies are resilient and produce a path to profitability. In the short period since our solutions have been in place, 
we've seen positive trends that lead us to believe that our efforts are working. Take, for example, the inspection process. As we did a deep dive into operations for areas of improvement, we determined that the overall inspection process was lacking rigor in consistently identifying vehicle quality. To combat this and promote scalability, we broadened our partner network to perform more complete mechanical, engine, and frame damage checks. In doing so, we've seen our inspection fail rates rise this quarter, which we believe confirms less problematic vehicles are making their way through our platform, allowing us to unwind a transaction before it is sent to the buying dealer. Since the addition of our new inspection partners, more than half of vehicles undergo a more thorough mechanical check. As it relates to Instant Max Cash Offer, or Instant Max for short, we have evolved our intake process to now include a self-inspection pilot, allowing consumers to submit videos and photos of their vehicle while they wait for CarOffer to review their documents. CarOffer can use the completed self-inspection to validate that the vehicle meets the transaction criteria. If the car's condition does not meet the requirements, CarOffer can adjust or terminate the offer before deploying additional resources to inspect and transport the vehicle. With more thorough inspections, we expect these improvements to reduce arbitration claims, which spiked in the second half of the year. Another step we've taken towards maturing car offer operations relates to stricter adherence to arbitration and rematching policies. Historically, in an effort to create goodwill amongst dealers, there was leniency with regard to the arbitration claims window, placing the burden of vehicle depreciation on us. We therefore instituted stricter policies, such that if a dealer has an issue with a vehicle, they must make a claim within two days. This helps ensure that a dealer complies with our arbitration policies and allows car offer to handle claims more quickly and effectively. Through arbitration claims, we also witnessed a high number of vehicles get rematched, the act of moving an arbitrated vehicle to the next highest bidder on the platform. To limit the number of rematches, which cause higher transportation losses and risk of further delayed arbitration, we enforced strict limitations. Fewer rematches, coupled with a shorter arbitration window, has allowed us to reduce unnecessary transportation expenses and liquidate vehicles faster to support shorter market exposure, which is critical in a declining price environment. Through more rigorous inspections, better management of the arbitration process, and stricter enforcement of our policies, we slowed down the digital wholesale business with levers that were in our control. This allowed us to focus on the implementation of the changes without the overhead of managing volume. While this was a conscious decision, our self-imposed slowdown was compounded by a general slowdown in the wholesale space. As a result, fourth quarter revenue from our digital wholesale segment, which includes our dealer-to-dealer -dealer business and Instant Max, was approximately $120.5 million, down 33% year over year. Similarly, both gross merchandise sales or GMS and transactions were down year over year. GMS for the quarter was $455 million, and we conducted 18,405 transactions. Transactions is a new key business metric that is comprised of dealer-to-dealer -dealer transactions and instant max cash offer transactions, and is discussed further in our press release issued today. Instant max cash offer is powered by the car offer matrix. Challenges which impacted the dealer-to-dealer -dealer business similarly affected our consumer-facing product offering as well. With Instant Max, we also have the ability to quickly toggle up or down our marketing spend to grow or shrink the traffic coming to our site to trade in the vehicle. 
In an environment where wholesale prices were declining and we were working quickly to improve our operations, we felt it was in our best interest to reduce marketing spend to limit the number of transactions flowing through our system. Additionally, we had less competitive offers, which further reduced conversion rates on our platform. While this set us back from a market share and volume perspective, we believe it was the right decision to ensure we did not exacerbate our challenges while we worked to fix them. In the fourth quarter, Instant Max Cash Offer generated $73.7 million in revenue, in line with our fourth quarter guidance. Our number one objective is to ensure the right processes, policies, and team members are in place at Car Offer so we can build a sustainable business that scales predictably over time. We're focusing on benchmarks and KPIs that, as we progress towards our goals, will signify increased stability of the business. As that stability increases, we intend to shift back to prioritizing re-engagement with dealers and capturing dealer wallet share, with the goal of growing transactions and market share on the platform. Car Offer's matrix technology allows dealers to transact automatically and at any time using rules-based strategies to create a buying and selling experience that is unlike anything offered in the market today. And we believe that as we work through these operational issues, we're setting up Car Offer for success. Despite headwinds and self-imposed slowdowns, 2022 was a year of growth for CarGurus, and I'm immensely proud of the team's progress towards fulfilling our vision of building the only end-to-end automotive transaction-enabled platform. At CarGurus, we give people the power to reach their destination. For consumers, this means empowering them with the tools and information necessary to confidently shop, finance, buy, and sell in the largest network of dealers and their inventory in the U.S. For dealers, it means continuing to provide innovative, forward-looking solutions by giving them the resources and capabilities they need to grow their businesses efficiently and profitably. It is through our consumer and dealer solutions and the combination of our innovative digital retail offerings, resilient foundational listings business, and differentiated digital wholesale business that we're able to create a unique value proposition as an automotive ecosystem. As I mentioned earlier, we're mindful of striking a balance between innovation, growth, and profitability to maintain a healthy business that is primed for scale and competitive strength. In a market of broader economic uncertainty, a technology sector that is largely pulling back, and an auto subsector that is experiencing unprecedented pricing, demand, and supply chain volatility, it's important we remain disciplined in growing our financial and strategic position in the market. In 2022, we demonstrated our thoughtful and judicious decision-making approach through milestone-based investment growth in digital retail, securing a $400 million line of credit, authorizing a share repurchase program, and foregoing acquiring additional equity and car offer. We also continue to demonstrate remarkable discipline in our operating expense as we remain nimble in managing marketing spend and we're thoughtful with hiring. Through it all, our focus on customer centricity remains a critical driver of our innovation and success, fueling product developments, operational improvements, and strengthening our relationships with both dealers and consumers as a trusted partner. As we continue to persevere through these transitory challenges, I firmly believe the decisions we have made to address these difficulties have strengthened our resiliency for the long term, enhancing the benefits for both our customers and our shareholders. Now let me walk through our financial results. I'll provide a detailed overview of our fourth quarter and full year performance, followed by our guidance for the first quarter of 2023. Beginning with our 10K, 
we have evolved our external reporting to better align with the transformation we have undergone as an end-to-end transaction-enabled platform. We now have two reportable segments, our U.S. marketplace business and digital wholesale business, otherwise known as car offer. This new reporting structure allows stakeholders to better understand key components of our business and its corresponding performance. In our filings, you will find our financials updated prospectively to incorporate this new two-segment view. Total fourth quarter revenue was $286.7 million, down 16% year-over-year, but nearly $2 million ahead of the midpoint of our guidance range. Revenue for the full year was $1.655 billion, up 74% over the prior year. This was heavily influenced by our wholesale and product revenues, which I will discuss shortly. Looking at the components of our revenue, marketplace revenue was $166.2 million for the fourth quarter, and $658.8 million for the full year. Fourth quarter marketplace revenue was up approximately 3% from the year-ago period and 1% from the third quarter. The increase in marketplace revenue was attributable to new dealers with higher average monthly recurring revenue and expansion through product upgrades and add-ons for existing dealers on our high-margin listings business. This growth in subscription revenue was partly offset by a decline in advertising and consumer finance revenues as well as foreign exchange headwinds in our UK business. Wholesale revenue was $23.7 million for the fourth quarter and $237.6 million for the full year 2022. Wholesale revenue declined by 71% compared to the same period in the prior year and declined by 50% from the third quarter. The decline was predominantly due to the continued market softening which began earlier in year, resulting in decreased transaction volumes for our dealer-to-dealer business. As expected, decreased volumes resulted in reduced transaction fees and transportation revenue for the quarter. Lastly, product revenue was $96.8 million for the fourth quarter and $758.6 million for the full year 2022. Product revenue grew by 1% year-over-year and declined by 55% from the third quarter. The decrease in product revenue was due to reduced transaction volumes and continued declining average selling prices associated with instant max cash offer. As I mentioned earlier, this quarter we materially decreased marketing investments in instant max to reduce the top of funnel traffic and focused our efforts on improving car offer operations. Fourth quarter instant max cash offer revenue was 73.7 million, which was in line with our most recent guidance range. Together, our wholesale and product revenue line items make up our car offer business, otherwise known as the digital wholesale segment. Total revenue for digital wholesale in the fourth quarter was $120.5 million, and for the full year was $996.3 million. I'll now discuss our expenses and profitability on a non-GAAP basis, which backs out our stock-based compensation expense, amortization of acquired and tangible assets, acquisition-related expenses, and net income or loss attributable to redeemable non-controlling interest. Fourth quarter non-GAAP gross profit margin was 50% compared to 59% in the year-ago quarter. The change in non-GAAP gross profit margin is primarily due to a lower gross margin profile in wholesale and product. Non-GAAP gross profit margin increased from 37% in the third quarter to 50% in the fourth quarter, primarily due to the shift in revenue mix. Our marketplace business continued to drive significant gross profit margins in the fourth quarter. This was even more pronounced in our gross profit margin percentage with the digital wholesale business representing a smaller percentage of our revenue. 
However, even though our marketplace business continued to generate increasing gross profit in the fourth quarter, the lower volumes in the digital wholesale business, coupled with increased arbitrations and the liquidation of inventory that built up at the end of the third quarter, resulted in a decline in the digital wholesale margins in the quarter. It should be noted that the increase in arbitration losses occurred primarily in October and November, as we liquidated the inventory that built up in September as prices were declining. Improved operational rigor resulted in significant inventory control and a reduced inventory balance of $5.3 million at the end of December. In the fourth quarter, as we liquidated car offer inventory from our books, we estimate this flush, inclusive of vehicle depreciation, to have had a gross profit impact in the mid-single-digit millions. Total fourth quarter non-GAAP operating expenses were $118.8 million, down 4% year-over-year. Non-GAAP sales and marketing expense decreased 18% year-over-year to $70.6 million. Non-GAAP sales and marketing expense represented 25% of revenue, flat to the same period last year. The decrease in marketing expense year-over-year speaks to our strategic alignment of expenses to top-line growth. We remain thoughtful with our investments as we continue to grow the business and develop our brand campaign without material incremental marketing investments in Q4. Our fourth quarter non-GAAP product, technology, and development expenses grew 25% versus the year-ago period to $28 million. The increase is primarily due to an increase in employee-related costs as a result of a 16% increase in headcount from earlier in the year and continued investment in our technology teams to grow our new areas in digital wholesale and digital retail in the coming year. We expect this expense to continue to increase as we continue to develop and grow our expanded product offerings to build our end-to-end transaction-enabled platform. We generated non-GAAP operating income of $23.6 million, representing an operating margin of 8%. We generated $27.8 million of consolidated adjusted EBITDA for the quarter, almost $14 million ahead of the high end of our guidance range due to continued strong subscription business performance prudent and effective expense management, and improved car offer operations, albeit at lower volumes, resulting in lower arbitrations, reduced vehicle rematches, and improved transportation losses. Non-GAAP diluted net income per share attributable to common shareholders was $0.22 for the fourth quarter, $0.06 above the high end of our guidance range. On a GAAP basis, we generated fourth quarter gross margin of 48%, compared to 53% in the year-ago period. The contraction in GAAP gross margin is primarily due to the lower margin profile of our digital wholesale business. In the fourth quarter, we incurred total operating expenses of $107.4 million, down roughly 21% year-over-year. Fourth quarter GAAP operating income decreased 33% year-over-year to $29.6 million. Fourth quarter GAAP consolidated net income was $23.2 million, Net income attributable to car gurus totaled $24.8 million, and fourth quarter gap net income attributable to common shareholders of $159.2 million. We ended the fourth quarter with $469.5 million in cash and investments, an increase of $65.1 million from the end of the third quarter. We generated $95.3 million in cash from operations in the fourth quarter and $90.5 million of non-GAAP free cash flow which includes capitalized website development and capital expenditure costs of $4.8 million. 
Cash provided by operations in the fourth quarter was primarily driven by our results, as well as an increase of $32 million driven by working capital movements. In December, we initiated a share repurchase program in the amount of $250 million. During the fourth quarter, we repurchased 1.4 million shares for an aggregate purchase price of $18.7 million. As of December 31st, we had approximately $231.3 million available for additional share repurchases. I'll conclude with the outlook for the first quarter. We expect our first quarter revenue to be in the range of 195 to 215 million. We expect to see healthy growth in 2023 for our marketplace business. However, in the first quarter, we expect modest headwinds related to OEM advertising to offset quarter over quarter subscription revenue growth. For our digital wholesale business, we plan to further limit our marketing investment for instant max cash offer. With our substantial reduction in marketing, coupled with materially lower transaction volumes, driven in part by macro factors and our purposeful slowdown, we expect first quarter revenue for our product line item to be in the range of $21 to $31 million. Please note that we now will be guiding to product revenue, which aligns with our GAAP financial statements line item. As we have previously mentioned, product revenue includes instant max cash offer revenue but excludes inspection and transportation revenue and includes arbitration revenue related to our dealer-to-dealer business. We expect our first quarter non-GAAP consolidated adjusted EBITDA to be in the range of 19 to 27 million and non-GAAP earnings per share in the range of 17 to 19 cents. As we continue to make operational improvements for our digital wholesale business, we expect to see a further reduction in transactions resulting in continued compressed profitability. Moreover, as it relates to our operating expenses, earlier this month, we launched our long-anticipated brand campaign, Get It With Gurus. We're thrilled to embark on this journey of increasing our brand awareness. However, in doing so, we expect to see a slight increase in our brand spend in the first quarter. However, we remain prudent in our marketing spend for the full year and expect it to be modestly below 2022 spend due to our reduction in instant max cash offer marketing. Additionally, beginning in the first quarter, we expect our expense base to increase as our lease officially commences for our new corporate headquarters in Boston, and we expect to see the full year grow over impact of people and people-related costs. In 2022, we achieved many significant milestones as we activated across the business, and in 2023, We're continuing to bring our vision to life as the only end-to-end automotive transaction-enabled platform. None of our progress or results would have been possible without the incredible employees globally whose hard work and unwavering dedication has been instrumental in making our vision a reality. With that, I'll open up the call for Q&A. Ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to ask a question, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad and a confirmation tone will indicate your line is in the queue. You may press star 2 if you would like to remove your question from the queue. For participants using speaker equipment, it may be necessary to pick up your headset before pressing the star keys. Due to the interest of time, please limit yourselves to one question and one follow-up. One, mom- one moment, please, while we poll for questions. Our first question comes from the line of John Colantuoni with Jeffries. Please proceed. Hey, uh, thanks for taking my questions. I, I have two high-level questions. Uh, first, 
you know, given your, you've now had the opportunity to assess the digital wholesale performance in a favorable and, and unfavorable industry backdrop, you know, what are the key areas where you sort of plan to pivot the long-term strategy to better optimize the product offering? I know you mentioned a larger inspe inspection network and revamping arbitration. Is there, is there anything else that you'd point out? Uh, and second, um, turning back to the margin targets for each business that you provided at the analyst day, can you just talk to whether those targets are still relevant? And if so, can you give us a framework for what needs to happen for those targets to materialize? Thanks. Thanks, John. Uh, this is uh, Jason Trevison. I'll have uh, Sam Zales talk about the first one, digital wholesale, and then I can speak to your margin target question. Thanks, Jason. And John, hi, Sam Zales here. Uh, thanks for the question. Um, I don't think there's a long-term change having seen car offered through the highs of the market and the incredible lows of the macro environment that we would change the product offering itself. We think there is a competitive advantage to the instant trade platform that allows dealers the most efficient way to get the best buying and selling uh, opportunity in the market. What we're really focused on is operating the biggest business much more efficiently and effectively. You, you've heard us go through the inspection process, which has been remarkably changed and advanced to include now mechanical, engine, frame damage, electrical, uh, inspections that we used to just do cosmetic. That wasn't good enough in a downturn of a market. We've improved our, improved our processes in arbitration, our rematching process that added to um, extra costs, transportation legs that weren't paid for by customers. It's all about the operations that will improve this business and get it back to profitability and expand what we're doing. A couple of areas I'd point to when you speak to product features and how can we make ourselves continue to advance and innovate as we have with this platform. You know, one is one that we're testing right now, which is called a with-a-look capability. It's a, in its early stage, just, just starting, but with a process that a, a dealer is buying sight unseen in a price-declining market, we're giving dealers an opportunity to take more look at the features of the vehicle, the inspection report with photos, allowing them to see a little bit more of the purchase before they want to uh, make and, and commit to that purchase. That's an important element of this process we've improved in inspections to allow dealers to be sure they're right so we've reduced that arbitration as we have over the last several months. But we think the biggest opportunity here with this innovative and differentiated platform is to put car offer and car gurus together to create dealer opportunity to source market and sell their vehicles in the best and most efficient way possible. We've talked about in their listings package, being able to see I can sell a vehicle wholesale at the same price I might have tried for on a retail level, that's just unheard of in our marketplace to allow them to do that. And we think that putting the two platforms together creates that expanded capability that no other partner in the market can do. And then, thanks, Sam. And then, John, on your second question on margin targets, and, and there might have been a second part to the second question, and if so, just uh, remind me what that was when I'm done here. But um, yes, we still, so we still think that the long-term targets from our IR day hold. I think the, you know, the ones to focus on are our marketplace product and wholesale, uh, and um, and you can see from that slide that 
you know, marketplace was already achieving the gross margin targets that we think are long-term. Uh, they were at the high end of it. Product was was close. Now, now, granted, that was as you pointed out when prices were rising and it was a, it was a better environment. Um, but given all of the operational improvements that you've heard us talk about, uh, we still believe that those are the right long-term targets. And same with wholesale as well. Um, and uh, you know what what this doesn't contemplate is actually a, a echo of what Sam just said. If, if, if and as we um, bring these pieces of the platform together better over time, then we think there are continued marketing synergies and other opportunities as well. But on a standalone sort of independent uh, business line perspective, we think these margin targets are still, still our long-term goals. Great. Thanks for the details. Our next question comes from the line of Jed Kelly with Oppenheimer. Please proceed. Hey, great. Um, th thanks for taking my question. Um, just just circling back to, 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 to the marketplace segment, um, you know, I guess, could you just assess the visibility of marketplace going into 23 and just how we should think about the margins in that segment, you know, being back, I guess, to those 21 levels that you highlighted and then I guess for Sam, can you talk about, you know, how dealer engagement is progressing with car offer? I mean, is there any KPIs you can share around, you know, more dealers using the product? Thank you. Sure. Thanks, Chad. It's Jason. So on Marketplace for 23, um, you know, we, the, we talked about, I think, in the script um, that we continue to see growth uh, into – uh, Q4 and into Q1, and uh, from the subscription basis, there are some, uh, you know, short-term headwinds on some of the revenue elements, uh, like OEM advertising is, is a good example. Um, but we, but the marketplace business will grow in 23. Um, the uh, from an expense basis, uh, you know, we do have we we highlighted a couple times that we have uh, the rent of our new headquarters that is being built out, and that's not, um, you know, insignificant. So that's low double-digit millions of, of additional rent, and we have grow-over expenses from some of the hiring that we did uh, in last year. Um, but uh, but we have really strong visibility into uh, our marketplace business given the nature of it and uh, the EBITDA uh, and strong visibility into EBITDA as well, and the investments that we're making outside of, you know, rent, uh, I would say, of the new building, the investments we're making are for new innovation around digital retail, digital deal, and things that we're confident are, are going to drive revenue. Jed, I'll jump in. It's Sam Zales here on, on Car Offer. Thanks for asking the questions. Um, you know, I think you've got to cloud your overall question on cohorts or engagement of dealers with the macro environment. Um, all dealer wholesale transaction volume has been reduced over this period of time as prices decline dramatically in the wholesale arena. Just transactions are low overall. So I, I don't dis, uh, dissect that from the operational issues we've got, but I think that's going to put a cloud overall on transaction volume per dealer um, as we look at the whole market moving in that direction. What I'll say, though, is we're making the explicit path right now to say reduce volumes of transactions at car offer 
to create a higher and higher percentage of profitable good transactions. We're in a mode right now of saying, fix the operations, make it profitable again, and then you can scale as fast as you want. That's our path right now. So it's a little bit of a deliberate strategy there. When we, when we use inspections to increase our fail rate, we're gonna have fewer transactions going through. And that's okay, because we're not gonna let those arbitrated transactions go through. When we um, get tougher on dealers around the arbitration process, and say that you can't take advantage of it in that process, they're gonna do less transactions on the platform. On the consumer end in C to D, our, our max cash offer business, consumers aren't selling their vehicles as much as they were previously. Every player in the market is finding that. And so when they're not transacting as much, we're certainly gonna stop them if they've got a vehicle that's not gonna be healthy for a dealer to transact with, and we're gonna lower those transactions as well. So I think it's a combination of both the macro market and us explicitly and deliberately slowing down transactions, getting them to be profitable and a higher percentage of profitable transactions to then scale up again as we get through this, the couple of quarters of rebuild here. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Chris Pierce with Needham and Company. Please proceed. Hey, good afternoon. How you doing? Uh, I was just curious, you talked about 4Q dealer trends in the U.S. How responsive is that to changes in trend? Because, you know, four, six months ago, dealers were sitting on overpriced inventory, but January and February retail sales came in, I think, better than expectations. So I, I was just curious. And then you've got digital deal. And I'm just kind of curious how responsive that is to changes in trend in the overall market and the new products you're introducing. Thanks, Chris. Uh, I, I don't think Sam or I caught the, the crux of the question. How responsive, you said, dealer yeah. trends are yeah. to, to macro uh, factors like inventory yeah. levels? Is that what you're asking? Not necessarily inventory yeah. levels, but I know that the second half of last year was a difficult time for a lot of dealers, specifically used dealers. And, you know, you guys lost dealers quarter over quarter. But then January and February have been better from a retail sales perspective. So I'm just curious, how real-time are these decisions for dealers in terms of like dealer growth in 23, what that might look like if the market continues to be stronger. Got it. Understood. Um, the the answer is it's mixed. You, you will see uh, a couple different and and even conflicting reactions from dealers. So when it's harder for well, if you go back uh, a ways, when it's easier for dealers to sell cars, then some dealers will turn off different marketing partners uh, in order to, you know, sort of, quote, save money and drop more to the bottom line because the cars are selling themselves, so to speak. Um, then in, uh, but then when cars are harder to sell, uh, you will sometimes see some dealers say, cars are harder to sell. I'm not sure if I'm going to sell that many. I better cut on expenses just to be safe. You have other dealers that say, I would argue, the more long-term focused dealers who say, well, if cars are going to be harder to sell, I better invest in marketing in order to keep my inventory turns at a pretty consistent pace over time. So the dealers who, maybe not surprisingly, who tend to be more reactive in the immediate moment and in real time tend to be the smaller dealers that are operating more like entrepreneurs and less like, um, you know, bigger businesses uh, who are running on budgets and forecasts. Um, and so you, you see that mixed with us. 
what, what makes us uh, have confidence is that with our ROI value proposition, that plays well in any environment. And I think increasingly dealers are seeing that, um, that we, they, they believe, and we, have, we believe, we're confident that we've always had a really strong ROI. But now as we are really improving the quality of our leads through things like digital deal, uh, they're starting to also realize that quality is very important because many dealers, remember, don't have the same size sales forces that they used to have. And so they need to try to handle or manage or service a certain volume of leads with fewer people. And so the higher the quality of the lead, the higher the conversion rate, the more they can handle with a smaller sales force. Perfect, thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Marvin Fong with BTIG. Please proceed. Hi, good evening. Thank you for taking my questions. Um, I just thought I'd follow up a bit on IMCO. Uh, you know, appreciate that you guys have uh, dialed back the marketing there and, and um, you know, improving the operations. I'm just curious about, you know, the the bidding prices, you know, between um, the sellers and buyers. I think uh, you guys said in prior quarters that that also kind of needed a, a readjustment for sellers to kind of um, realize that, uh, you know, car prices have come down, that sort of thing. And, of course, the rental agencies are no longer there as aggressive bidders. So just curious if you could kind of um, shed some light on how, you know, are, are, are the prices getting narrower between sellers and buyers? Um, and then I have a follow-up. Hey, Marvin, Sam Zale, thanks very much. Um, I think um, you know they're yes the the they're getting narrower in the in the um, in the definition you're using. I think the real situation right now is that consumers for the first six months of 2022 had incredible market opportunity to sell their vehicles at the highest prices they'd ever been from a, a wholesale perspective. And I think any time in that in that environment, we had aggressive buyers in there, and we had you know you know, significant, uh, you know, transaction volume because dealers were willing to pay anything in a rising tide environment to do so. I think the macro environment is just telling you consumers may be thinking they, they could go back to what their vehicle was worth six months ago, and it's not worth that today. The consumer demand for purchasing vehicles is down, so dealers are depressed in their, uh, in their bid prices right now on the, on the program. So I don't think we're any less competitive. We're really just following the market trends right now. Consumers hanging on to their vehicles and not selling as much, and the bids lower because there isn't as much demand for buying vehicles at the retail um, area right now with interest rates and other things, and it's leaving us with less volume. I think you'll, you'll also see that, you know, we're being smart in saying with all these changes we've made operationally, the, the reduction in marketing expense when we know we're failing more vehicles with our inspections, we are, uh, we're being tighter on our processes and our data, we're just going to be careful about how aggressive we're going into that market. So, um, you know, we're starting to see pricing sort of lift a little bit in the new year, but I, I think it's too early to tell whether we're on another upswing again. And if we are, I think you'll see uh, more of that balance in the uh, the the buy-sell price and consumers will get more aggressive and we'll have more bids that will work on that front as we go forward. Okay, great. And then 
A question just about the dealer ads for the quarter um, and, and maybe how, what you're thinking about for this coming quarter. So um, was the decline uh, concentrated perhaps in, in independent and smaller dealers or was it just kind of across the board? I think um, someone else in your space had, had suggested that independents were under particular pressure uh, this quarter. But um, And then secondly, you know, what are your what's embedded in your guidance um, or how are you thinking about the dealer count in terms of your guidance for the first quarter? Thanks. Thanks, Marvin. Um, I, I think what you saw in fourth quarter, a small decline, um, was really based on a couple of factors. One is seasonality. Every year that I've been in the business for eight years, November, December is that time Jason just talked about that the more – we didn't see anything in a differentiation but by one segment or another, but any dealer is going to get more cautious on their budgets as they come into the new year and finish up the year to maximize their profitability. So that's the typical time in any um, market scenario that we have seen, uh, you know, a, a churn hit in that time period. We also reinitiated our annual business review. So you'll know by following the company over the last number of years, Coming out of 2020 into 2021, and even through most of 2022, we were very deliberate and careful about um, reinitiating an annual business review, which says to a dealer, you're receiving X in quantity of leads and an ROI that we expect should be Y. Therefore, your price point should move to Z, or you can move to one of these new packages that's most valuable to you. And as we got more aggressive, and you'll see us continue to move um, going forward with this strategy of saying we have to take our fair value out of the ROI equation with our partners is we, you know, involuntarily said if some dealers can't accept that price increase, we're going to move forward and, and turn that, you know, that lead volume over to another dealer who will and will pay for that performance. So I think both of those factors are really, um, you know, a, a process that will, um, you know, sort of define the fourth quarter. And um, I, I don't think we're sharing any uh, details on first quarter, but uh, we have confidence in where we're going from here. And, and I would just add that, um, especially because of the annual business review process that has sort of reignited a bit uh, here, we, we, while we look at dealer account and we look at CARSID, and those are helpful ways to model the business, uh, we really focus on net new MRR. And dealer count often falls out of that. It's not always linear, but it tends to track. But in an ABR environment uh, where we are, uh, you know, holding a little firmer on price than we have sometimes in the past, uh, you may very well find that we can end up with better net new MRR, better revenue growth, and uh, not as strong a dealer count. And we're okay with that. That's a trade-off we'll, we'll take. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes total sense. Uh, appreciate the color, both of you. Our next question comes from the line of Brad Erickson with RBC Capital Markets. Please proceed. Hey, thanks for taking the question. This is Logan from Brad. Um, just a quick question. Um, sounded like arbitration got a little bit better in the quarter. Is, is that some potential TAM unlock for you guys as per unit arbitration costs come down? you can start to access potentially uh, sorry, different Sorry to cars. interrupt. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. We've not been able to hear your question so far. Can you repeat it? Thanks. Hi. Sorry. Can you hear me? That seems a little better. Okay. 
sorry, as I was saying, um, it sounds like per car arbitration has gotten a little bit better in the quarter. You guys are making some improvements there. Do you guys view that as a potential TAM unlock of being able to uh, deal in different types of cars or uh, potentially lower ASP cars that you guys typically deal with? Is there any sort of TAM unlock from lower arbitration costs? And then I have a follow-up. Thanks, Logan. Sam Zales. Um, appreciate the question. I think we'll be careful in that direction. I, we've seen the incredible uptick of the car offer business, and with the macro environment hitting us, knowing we needed to double down, triple down, quadruple down on the operating uh, effort. Yes, we're seeing arbitration rates move in the right direction. We're very pleased with that. We have more work to be done. As we said, this is a multi-quarter activity for us to really improve upon. That will make us more confident that we will have more and more profitable transactions in this business and get ourselves back to profitability. But we're going to stay in the realm where we have in the past of the, you know, hopefully a larger percentage of later model year, uh, lower mileage vehicles. Obviously, with the market going down, our, our average selling price was down to about 25000 on the D2D business, um, 17000 or so on the C2D business. We're not purposely going to go down to the low end of the market, but I do appreciate your question, which is with these inspections at a much more fine level, when you talk about mechanical and engine and frame damage and electrical, you have the ability to look at vehicles and be certain that you're sending the right ones through with that lower arbitration rate. So we could go and expand the TAM. I think our effort will not be deliberately to look down market right off the bat and say, let's head down that direction. We prefer to focus where we are on improving and beating our projections to uh, where we sit, have a much more efficient and profitable operation. Gotcha. That's super helpful. And then just one quick one on marketplace. With kind of your, and you talked about the the car offer marketing spend, but what's your philosophy on marketing expense in the marketplace business in you know the event of a of a higher growth scenario than what you're currently baking in? In the event of a of a higher growth scenario, you said, how should we think about how do, how would we think about marketing? Yeah, exactly. Like, would you would you reinvest those dollars into marketing to capture the growth upside, or would you let those fall to the bottom line? Yeah, I think that so uh, there's there's no uh, rigid formula, and I think we need to you know in in a case where our growth is exceeding our expectations, uh, considering to uh, invest in marketing more is certainly a possibility. It's, it's always a consideration as we think about capital allocation. Um, what we have, uh, you know, been challenged with in the past, and I'm now, you know, going back several years, is if when we have reinvested in marketing and that has generated more lead growth and more value growth to dealers, we've not always been able to monetize that as quickly. And so uh, we have, we're, we're very cognizant of that. This year, there's also an added dimension, which is our new brand campaign that we're very excited about. Our brand campaign, we believe, can really open up uh, awareness and, and top of funnel for sort of overall audience growth in ways that you maybe haven't uh, been able to in the past. And so uh, we're watching, we're very excited about it. We're watching it closely. Um, that's not as immediate a read as performance marketing, but 
uh, as we see how that performs this year, we will decide if we should increase that as well. So um, the short answer is yes, uh, it's definitely a consideration, but that it also is a trade-off with not just dropping it to the bottom line, but also investing in other things like product and digital retail and, and other areas of innovation for us. Gotcha. Super helpful. Thank you very much. Our next question comes from the line of Doug Arthur with Huber Research. Please proceed. Yeah, just a quick one. Uh, uh, Jason, the reference you made, obviously, to transactions uh, being down 75%, that's going to become a more important metric. What is the exact definition of, of transactions? Um, if you could just refine that a little bit. Sure. Um, it's, uh, it's what we call net cars moved, which is when there is a um, – when a car is has been sold and the sale is complete uh, and it's based at the VIN level. Uh, and so um, we, uh, we look at it once the vehicle has been, think of it as fully sold at the unique VIN basis. And, and, and does that crossover between IMCO and car offers? That's strictly IMCO. Uh, no, it's it's IMC. It's both. It's it's whole, what we think of as wholesale, which is both dealer to dealer wholesale as well as instant cash offer. Okay, but has uh, nothing. Great. But is not is not related to listings in any way or leads. Right. Right. Uh, okay, that's it for me. Thank you. Thanks. Our next question comes from the line of Nick Jones with JMT Securities. Please proceed. Great. Thanks for taking the questions. Um, I guess the first one uh, on engagement metrics, I know you're focused on getting kind of higher quality leads. How should we think about where these engagement metrics will trend kind of over time and maybe where they kind of bottom out and stabilize and, and maybe return to growth as you refine uh, your focus on leads? And then I have a follow-up on the arbitration. Um, I, there's not really a, a, a moment um, or uh, a, a quality threshold that once we've hit it, you know, we're then going to go back to volume. Uh, I mean, the way, and it's always going to be a mix. So um, you've probably you've heard these numbers or these data points, but just to put it in perspective, you know, if we're sending a dealer a thousand leads a month, and they sign up for digital deal and all of a sudden, uh, you know, 150 of those leads converted multiples and another 100 of those converted even higher multiples, that dealer is going to be thrilled. And uh, what we look at is total cars sold, estimated, um, that we look at various forms of attribution to determine. And so we have a proxy for all of our dealers about the number of cars we help them sell in a given month. And we watch that closely, and we're trying to grow that. And so the, the formula or the recipe for how we get to that is a combination of some growth, some quality improvement, uh, but ultimately it's distilling down to gross profit maximization at the dealership. Got it. Makes now, sense. there's, there's, there's going to be a point at which – sorry, just to close it out. There's a point at which – we will never be, you know, we're never going to get 100% of our users through digital deal, you know, in the next year. 
And so at some point we have to acknowledge that there's sort of some natural self-selection among users. And in which case, if we feel that we're reaching that local maxima, then we would resort back to, to growth within the different segments. Got it. And then uh, I actually have, a, I'm going to follow up on that then. Uh, and uh, I can ask the arbitration one offline. Um, um, I mean, so I guess what's the balance of kind of having this rich upper funnel content at, at, at CarGurus and making sure people kind of keep coming to research cars, maybe aren't as high quality leads, but they still like to engage with the brand from a content perspective. Um, so it seems like there's, there's kind of two problems to solve is one being kind of a top of mind brand that people can utilize and you can get that traffic cheaply and then kind of making sure you're only kind of paying for the high quality leads. Does that question make sense? Yeah, I think so. Uh, and and it, it's a multi-pronged approach that is, from a marketing perspective, that's precisely the, the balance of brand and performance marketing. The brand is to create the awareness and the interest and, and the intent, and the performance marketing is to capture them when they're much closer to ready to buy. Uh, that's the marketing side. And then there's the product side and, uh, and the on-site merchandising side, which is giving that user a, a better experience when they're on our site that is more germane to, it's more personalized to what they're looking to do, but also gives them the awareness and the opportunities to go into these other channels or, or click paths that, uh, you know, turn them into much higher converting users. So it's marketing plus product. And we have, we think an extraordinarily long way, long and exciting way to go. Because if you look at the percent of users on our site today, for instance, who are going through digital deal and who are two or three times more likely to convert, it's, it's very small. I mean, it's gone from zero to what it is. So we're excited about the growth, but the runway is just significant. Got it. Thanks, Jason. Our next question comes from the line of Tom White with DA Davidson. Please proceed. Hey, this is Wyatt Swanson on for Tom. Thanks for taking our questions. Uh, my first question, I'm just kind of trying to dig deeper into marketplace subscription renewals here. Um, curious what approach you guys are kind of taking to renewals and volume-based pricing adjustments for your listings product this year. Seems like you paused a lot of that over the past couple of years. You know, what's your appetite for trying to reset your pricing with dealers this year? And what's contemplated in your 2023 outlook on that front? Thanks, Wyatt. It's Sam Zales here. Um, we are deliberately restarting a process, but it's a different kind of process, one in which we do an annual business review with our partners. And so it's, it's less of a sort of a very transactional old way of doing things, which was we call you and say that your, your lead growth was up 20%, your price point went up X, um, take it or leave it at the end of the month. We're actually in a cycle of conversations about programs and consultation and what's working well, unique and, and proprietary data that that dealer could use and um, helping them see the value of our programs. And what we're doing in that regard is um, – offering them a set of packages, all of which 
you know, will will impact our car SID, obviously. I think that's the right way to do things. But to give them the opportunity to buy their way into higher value programs, and if not, um, put them into a program where they may, they may see less volume or less activity, and then give that opportunity for a next dealer to take their slot at a higher valued program. So we've, we've developed these new packages, and it allows us to get have flexibility to grow car sit and help our dealers see the value. And if they're willing to pay for performance, go there. We're doing this in our early stage in December and, um, you know, have, have added capabilities. We've got a, a product called, you know, uh, Lead AI, we call it. It's one that allows dealers to focus on the most engaged shoppers on their platform and hit those first. So helping dealers convert more of their, uh, more of their, uh, consumers coming in to close sales. And so by doing so, we're finding more and more features and capabilities to drive the dealers into upper level and higher paying premium packages. We've always had great success with our featured sponsored listings. And um, so that's an opportunity, again, for dealers to take advantage of getting to the top slots and paying more. So we're doing this more deliberately. We'll, we'll be more aggressive as we head into 2023. Um, and we're also selling new customers at a higher price point. Now, that's something that's been important to our overall effort in the marketplace business. If we know, as Jason said, we have the highest ROI uh, program in the market, and now we're adding digital deal to that, we have the opportunity to raise digital deal pricing, which we've done in 2023. And so um, these are opportunities where we are going to be more aggressive to your question on strategy going forward. Great. Thank you very much. Our next question comes from the line of Ron Josie with City. Please proceed. Great. Thanks for taking the question. Maybe two quick ones. And, Sam, this is more of a follow-up on what you were just asked and, and talking about with digital deals. Now that we're pricing, call it, more in line with greater conversion rates, are, are you um, – talk about just the go-to-market strategy on digital deals. In other words, is, are these included in those packages for renewals or digital deals um, front and center? How are you thinking about marketing, marketing them specifically now that we do have – you know, firm conversion rates and, and you know, uh, more insights on pricing would be helpful. And then, Jason, just on process here, any, any update on CFO uh, progress would be helpful. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Ron. You're asking a great go-to-market question, Digital Deal. We're really proud of those results we mentioned in the uh, opening remarks of uh, two times and three times and even more close rates, uh, you know, in, in for our dealers that we're seeing the results with and using IHS data to get us there. That will compel us to be more aggressive. We're selling it on a standalone basis uh, in some respects. So you go to a dealer and you say you have an opportunity, as Jason just said, to get X percent of your leads now closing at a much higher rate. We're already at a market high. Um, here's the price point. So we've raised that price point from what was $250 and $200, depending on the market segment and inventory size, to $500, $400, $300 a much higher price point on their way in. We're more aggressive and more committed to that as we go forward. We are packaging the digital deal program with Area Boost, which is now a product that you know helps dealers market their inventory outside of their local market. So think of it as a value proposition that says to the dealer, you have an ability not only to find that consumer is willing to travel and look for a vehicle or have it delivered if they prefer it that way, um, we're now adding digital deal there, so we're going to have that consumer further through the funnel doing their financing, maybe putting a deposit down, and knowing what their F&I products they want are into that mix. 
it just brings a much further down funnel shopper who you can sell, as Jason said, with fewer sales resources in the company. So that package becomes more, uh, you know, a more premium rich package. And then going forward, you will, you, you will hear more from us in 2023 on packaging it, a digital deal in even our highest premium packages to maximize our overall um, you know, revenue and car sit in the business. So you're right on the digital deal product proving itself in the market. Now we have to take advantage of it on a commercialization basis. And then, uh, yes, thanks. Uh, on the CFO search, Ron, so um, we have uh, been in the market with the search firm for about five months. Uh, when you know you're when when you're bringing in a, a exec from the outside, these things take time, and and we're maintaining a very high bar as you would expect and want us to do. And so uh, I, we're seeing good candidate flow. Uh, we have candidates that are in you know multiple rounds at this point, and uh, I'm you know it's it's one of my highest priorities at the moment, and so uh, I'm confident that between certainly myself, but also the exec team and to a lesser extent, the board is giving it the, the due attention and, and we're certainly uh, excited with some of the candidates that we have in the pipeline. Got it. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Tim. Thank you. This concludes our question and answer session. I'd like to turn the call back to management for closing remarks. Thank you. Uh, so this is Jason. Uh, thank you very much, everyone, for your interest. Uh, you know, as you can tell from our remarks and hopefully our Q and A, you know, we're we're very excited about the the strength of our core business, about the lead quality that's driving value to our dealers and helping them grow the value of their dealerships. Uh, our new brand is launched, which is helping to grow uh, the awareness among consumers and and help them understand all that we're now able to offer them that much of which is, is relatively new. We're encouraged by the uh, progress we're making at Car Offer, and we're really excited about the innovation in digital deal and, and digital retail more broadly. So uh, there's a lot happening, uh, and the, the, the market is seeming, the auto market is seeming to uh, stabilize a bit, which is encouraging. So we're very excited for, uh, for 2023 and very proud of 2022. So thank you, everyone. We appreciate your interest. This concludes today's conference. You may disconnect your lines at this time. Thank you for your participation and have a great night.